All right, all right. How are we doing this weekend? Faith Promise, come on. Man, every weekend is a celebration of God and His wonder and His might and His incredible attributes. But for one of our campuses, it's even a, this weekend is even a more special weekend. This weekend, we celebrate five years of ministry through Faith Promise Cañas or Promesa de Fe de Caña Costa Rica. And so would you join me in welcoming Pastor Eddie Ayer and Katia to Faith Promise United States. They are here for two reasons. One is to celebrate the fifth anniversary. Ellos están aquí para celebrar los cinco años de aniversario. But secondly, their son Andreas married Jody Kenyon's daughter, my assistant, last night. Pero segundo, su hijo Andrés so, vino a casarse con la hija de Jody, Brianna. No way to separate the campuses now. I don't know, nada que nos separe. We have married across the lines. And so I wanted Pastor Eddie Ayer to uh, say a few words and just because Pastor he's Eddie never had an opportunity. Estamos muy felices de estar aquí esta tarde con ustedes. We are so happy to be with you today. Ayer fue un día maravilloso este, estar en la boda con nuestro hijo y acompañar un tiempo muy, muy especial. Yesterday was a great time with my son. We were celebrating. It was very special. Pero también nos alegra mucho ser parte de esta gran familia promesa de fe. But we are also grateful to be part of this family. Uh, Agradecemos al Pastor Chris la confianza que depositó en nosotros de iniciar una iglesia en Costa Rica promesa de fe. We are grateful to Pastor Chris to trusting us starting that mission church at Costa Rica Cañas. Dios nos ha permitido ver la obra crecer y por eso le damos gracias a él. God had let us see that a great growth and we are very grateful. Estamos muy agradecidos también con la iglesia Promesa de Fe acá porque nos ha dado un acompañamiento para esta labor. We are grateful to the church because you keep praying for us and giving us like a donations to keep going. Gracias por todos los grupos que nos visitan una vez, dos veces al año. We are grateful to the groups that go there for mission trips. Gracias por usted que ha aportado sus finanzas para que esta obra del Señor pueda crecer. And thanks for your donations. Amamos a Promesa de Fe, Estados Unidos. Somos parte de la familia. We love Faith Promise USA. Muchas gracias. Thank you. So we... The first five years have been incredible. Los pasados cinco años han sido increíbles. But the best is yet to come. Pero lo mejor está por venir. So if you would reach your hands out Así right here sí. and let's pray for them. Alzan sus manos hacia acá. Vamos Father, a orar we por ellos. come in the strong name of Jesus and we're looking for you to do an incredible work in Cañas. <clears throat> we pray for this team. We pray for their marriage. We pray for their kids. We pray for Andres. We pray, God, that you would open the windows of heaven and bring out an incredible revival. We pray, God, that you would show up, that your anointing would flood, that that community, that city, even that country would never be the same because of this family, this couple who was sold out to you. So let your power fall, let your glory reign, and have your way in their ministry and faith promise. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. 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 Welcome him one more time. Thanks, guys. We love you.
Incredible. We just love to celebrate what God is doing around the corner and around the world. If you were here last weekend, didn't Michelle do an incredible job? Wow. Now, Michelle was a little nervous. As a matter of fact, I have to sort of make Michelle do Mother's Day, and it was a really stressful week. There were a lot of other things going on, but she did an incredible job. One of my favorite parts was the video that we took of her mother setting the table. And because of how Barbara and Claude set the table for their family, they have left a legacy of a spirit-filled family. Michelle's been in ministry. Michelle's brother's a pastor, has always been in ministry. Michelle's dad was an FBI agent, but always led churches, led worship and mission churches. And I'm gonna tell you, it's a really an odd thing to be an ex-drug dealer and date an FBI agent's daughter. I'm just gonna tell you right now, it made for some pretty uh, interesting conversations at the Duncan home. But uh, Michelle did a great job. If you missed it, go back and get it uh, because this is what we want to do. Even this series, we want to talk about how do we set the table for a spirit-filled family? What are the things that we need to do in our lives to set the table that would honor God? Does that make sense? So really, these messages, the next few weeks, are absolute not-miss messages on the family. You say, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm a single or I'm single again. Listen, it doesn't matter how many people sit at your table. These truths must be lived out by all Christ's followers. So when it comes to family, let me just give you a thought. Great families do not happen by accident. Would y'all agree with that? Come on, all of our campuses, they just don't happen. You don't wake up one day and say, wow, I have an incredible marriage. You don't wake up one day and say, look at my kids. They're all serving God. They're loving God. I wonder how that happened. No, there is a sowing and a reaping. There is a pouring in. There is warfare. There is so much stuff. And so with that, if you're not working on it, you're not going to experience any of those kind of things. So before we look at how you set the table in your family or for your family, well, what I want us to think about is how messy some of the tables really are. Does that make sense? Our lives are cluttered with so many things. Our schedule, no margin. Our finances, no margin. Our relationship, no margin. And so we end up running, 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 running and wonder why our table, our life, our calendar looks so cluttered. Now, this is not what it looks like right, like right before small group comes to your house, but I'm talking about normal everyday life. It's just it, we live cluttered. Uh, has, has anybody experienced that? Anybody with you? Anybody with me? All right, come on. And so life is messy. And so in your family, it can happen the same way. Or just let me rephrase. Does your family, your home feel so cluttered and it makes you feel like you're just barely getting by, like you're just sort of just making it through life. So we're going to have some choices during this message. We're going to have choices through this series. You can keep living like you're living, or you can make your family different than it's been before. So God, would you open our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirits to what you want to teach us through your word, how you want us to clear the table, start anew, and how you want us to walk the values that you teach us biblically for the family. God, we want to walk in the shalom, the peace of God, but there is no peace at 100 miles an hour. So help us, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, 
Now, I want to encourage you to keep your heart, your mind open. Are you with me? Why? Because your family's worth it. It's worth it. So we're going to go back to what I really would believe globally, historically. The most famous family in all of history, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You say, what about this? What about that? When you consider Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and you consider Abraham's all around the world, I think he's probably the most famous family. Abraham's name was Abram and his wife Sarah until God changed him to Abram, Abraham and Sarah. So you'll see the names change because in the Bible, he's called Abram until God meets and changes his name. We're going to find Abram in a position that he needed to clear the table. He needed a fresh start. And so how you set the table matters. It matters for today. It matters for how your kids will set the table. It matters for generations to come, and it matters for eternity. Does that make sense? We okay? Okay, come on. Somebody help me now. We all right? All right, Genesis chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. Now, Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem. We're going to come back and back and back to Shechem, at the, uh, to the oak of Moray. Now the Canaanite was in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so the, Abram picks up, he goes, and he's going to start brand new. So how you set your table, how you cleared and reset it, as you refocus, matters. And God's promises are for, are, are, God promises more for our families. Matter of fact, God created, God invented the family. And really, the family has never been easy. Times change, things change, but the family's always been hard. Would y'all agree? All the way back to Adam and Eve, one son killed another son. It's always been difficult. Now, to add today's complexity of high-speed internet, high-speed schedules, and high-speed lives, and, man, this speed has called us to, has caused us to run at such a pace, we don't recognize and realize and see everything going around us. And then the digital connection has, called a, has caused a weird disconnection in the family. Sometimes you're sitting in the living room and everybody in the family is on their phone, on their screen. And we're training the next generation because when I was a kid, to shut me up, they put me in front of the television. Today, to shut the grandkids up, we put them in front of the iPhone or the iPad. Are you, and, and they, it's crazy. Two years old, they're flipping through. I, they can do things at two. I can't do it. 58, it's ridiculous. And so we have to realize what's going on. Then add to that, if you're listening, say I am, to add to that, we are bombarded with the idea that our lives are our own. And the family's okay, but maybe an afterthought. And for some of us, family's an inconvenience. It keeps us from climbing the corporate ladder or getting or being or doing everything that we want to get or be or do. Some, are y'all with me? It's okay. Y'all gonna be all right? Okay. Now this high-speed sense of self is fueled by our busyness, it's fueled by our achievement, 
our comparison with other people. It creates our days, our thoughts, our focuses, our purposes to be cluttered and muddied and muddled. This is what I believe. I believe that there is a diabolical plot to distract you from God. I believe the world is set up to keep us so busy, running so many ways, doing so many things that we're distracted from the main thing. And this is what I tell God all the time in my journal. God, this world is a sad second substitute to you, God. Because what God has is so much better than the dish that the world is serving. Now, people say, wait a minute, Pastor, I only have so much time. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to do all this. I've got to prepare my kids for the real world. Well, listen, the real world is the spiritual world. <coughs> because the real world is the world that will last. This world is temporal, temporary. Eternity is spiritual. So if you really want to prepare your kids for the real world, let me ask you a couple thoughts. Or let me give you what I believe would be the greatest things you can prepare your kids for the real world. Are they saved? Are they saved? Every day when I pray for my grandkids, I, there's different things I pray over each of them. And then when I get to the end, Lord, save them early and protect them. So are they saved? Are they filled with the Spirit? Do they know how to... When they get to college, most of us are worried that they'll make good grades. I want to know, can they defend their faith? Or are you going to pay $200,000 to send your kids to school to lose their faith? Are you with me? Because that's what happens. Kids go to school, kids go to college, and they're bombarded by professors who hate God, and they, they realize if you're really smart, you don't believe in God, and so they move that way instead of sending them. If you're going to send them to college, you better prepare them. And it's not what grades they made in high school, it's do they know the Word of God. And a lot of us are more concerned with how many goals or tries or scores our kids make than how much scripture that they know. So are we preparing our kids for the real world? 51% of all millennials today are underemployed with their education. In the greatest economy we have had in decades. And so what we believe today are the marks of a great family. You own a home, you have a good career, you got a good education. And that's how we measure. Those are terrible measurements for a great family. Abraham never had a house. He lived in a tent. Probably a big tent, but it was a tent. He never owned a home. He never went to school. He never had a degree. And yet he is the father of faith. So what, we've got we to realize what matters most. And how you set your table for your kids proves what you think is most important. And what we should know is that chasing after money has led so many of us with educations that end in debt and defeat. Jobs that end in failure and, un and unfulfillment, marriages that end in disappointment and divorce, and many times church, experiences, church experience that ends in disillusionment and we're gone. So what are we going to do? How many of us have really just set the table and said, God, I don't understand. How did I get, how did I get here? I got married, and I look at that lady across the table, and we're drifting. I look at my kids. They don't want to be at the table anymore. I work hard. Everybody works hard. We run. This is not what I signed up for. Have you ever had those thoughts? Come on, let's be real. This is, this is not what I thought my life was going to be like. 
And so where's the joy? Where's the contentment? Here's the real problem. I want you to follow, if, you follow this. This is key. If you're listening, say, I am. You placed everything on your table that's there. Nobody else placed it there. You Now, you did it by default or by deliberate decision, but you are the one that allowed your life to be cluttered. That's why Abraham, Abram, needed a new start. I'm going to move. I'm going to go. I'm going to start all over. And so we've got to set our tables. Or we end up feeling helpless and hopeless. Like our schedule rules us instead of us ruling our schedule. And then what happens? We start looking for something or someone else to, to, to fill the gap in. And then life gets even worse. So what do I do now? Because let's be real, the American dream of finding purpose through provision has become a nightmare. Boomers, we're the worst generation. Come on, when you talk to millennials or Gen Xers or Gen Ys, here's what we do. We only want to talk to them about how they're, they're going to make a good living. Is that right? Come on. And yet, did it make us happy? No, it's not going to make them happy. It'd be good for them. And so let, let's see what's going on. So how do we clear the table and how do we start over? So we see Abram move and start over. His grandson is in the same predicament. His life is whacked and jacked. He's got to clear the table as well. He's got to make a fresh start for his family. So what was he going to do? Again, man, his life was seriously messed up. It was ridiculous. So what was he going to do? He did something incredible. It's, it's psychotic. You know what he did? He asked God what to do. And shockingly, God answers. And God says in, in Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 5, he said, then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel. I love that because Bethel is, two, is a two-word, Beth-el, Beth-house-el, God. Bethel, the house of God. Go back to the house of God. Arise and go to Bethel and live there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Here's the place where he saw the ladder. Remember Jacob's ladder? Angels coming up and down. This is where it happened, right here at Bethel or Shechem. Go back there. So Jacob said to all his household, to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Let us rise, go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. And they journeyed, there was great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Now, there are some things that should immediately stand out to you from this passage of Scripture. They ought to boom. First, that Jacob has been running from his brother for 20 years. His brother Esau vowed to kill him. Does that sound like a healthy family dynamic to you? Number two, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, a man of God in the lineage of Jesus, what in the world is his house doing full of idols? What were they doing? Is that crazy? Why are they there? What, what, what's the deal? So you see how easy it is for your life to get cluttered? for idols to make their way on, for things to clutter our, our schedule and our budget and everything that we do. 
It's so easy. But God's promises are right where we left them. You say, but Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand my background. You don't understand what my dad did or my mom did or my brother did or my sister did or what I did. I got it. But here's the deal. Go back and start over. Clear the table and start over. Just, you may be the only one in your family. Start new. If you're listening, say, I am. Come on. Abram left. Jacob left. God's promises are right where you left them. The best part of Jacob's story is in verse 3 of Genesis 35. He said, go back to Bethel, build an altar there where, I first, where God first appeared to you, and I was with you even in the midst of your pain and problems. God was with him. Are you with me? Everywhere I've gone since I left, God has been with me. Go back to the beginning. Jacob did just like his grandfather Abram did and, and, and there. See, God promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's there. So what we've got to do is clear the table and set some biblical, godly, right values. A value, values for your, your family. And one of, our fam, one of our values that faith promises, our number one values, we put God first. So, like Michelle said, with, with her mother, when she got up, her mother's Bible was on the table. When she, she knew her mother's in the Word, before Michelle's mother set the table, she set it with God at the head. So, your family has values. They may not be listed. You may not know what they are, but if you sit down and have a discussion, you have values. The question is, did you choose them or were they chosen for you? Did Christ choose them or the culture, the world or the word? Who chooses your values? And so it's time. Again, Abraham started, Jacob started, and so can you. They cleared the deck, they cleared the table, and they reset it, and so can you. So we go back to God's most famous family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Generations later, Abraham's family is now called the people of Israel. God told Abram, I will make your family like the stars of heaven or like the sand on the seashore. If you can count every grain of sand, you'll know how many kids and what your progeny is going to be. They find themselves, after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, Moses rescues them. They need to clear the table. They've been slaves. Now they're free. What's it going to be? So now they have a new leader. Moses is dead. Joshua, the father figure, of all of Israel is leading them into the promised land and they're going to gain the inheritance. In Joshua chapter uh, 24, verse 23 through 26, same deal. I want you to notice the cycle and how, the, and, and how it works. Joshua chapter 24, starting at verse 23. Now therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst. Does that sound familiar? How many times does God have to tell them? They keep piling the table up. In your, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made them a statute and an ordinance. Where at? Shechem. Same place Abraham was. Same place Isaac was. Same place Jacob was. Same place now the children of Israel are. They're back making another altar. They're back getting rid of their, rid of their idols. 
and they're back clearing the table to follow God once again. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. He took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to people, this stone shall be a witness. You, you guys see a pattern? Are y'all out there? Come on, campuses. You guys, man, are you guys with us? Come on, fair, y'all, are y'all with me? Your family is not the only family that keeps cluttering the table. Since Adam and Eve, we've been cluttering the table. Your family is not the only family who forgets to set God as head of the table. Your family is not the only family that are real people with real problems. All guys chilling got problems. Amen? So what do we need to do? Man, we need to, we need to, we need to take a step back and take a check up from the neck up, and we need to just start clearing the table. We need to say, you know what, man, I'm tired of all this stuff. We're going to reorganize. Amen? We're going we're to clear the deck. We're going to rework our schedule. We're going to rework our values, and we're going to get our lives in order. It's going to look better than it looked before. So here's the deal. Once you clean the table, you can't leave it empty. I don't know about you, but at my house, any flat surface is going to be a pile full of crap. Are y'all with me? Am I the only house? Now, I mean, every flat surface, because see, that's what we do. We're clutterers. It's crazy. People say, you know, you're going to finish your house and not want to sell it. It's the first time since we moved in, there's nothing on any surface in our house. Nothing. It's incredible. Michelle said, what are we selling this for again? This, is, this looks amazing. I said, Michelle, if we decide to live here, you take everything out of the totes, and we pile them all back up again. It's what we do. So what we've got to do is we want to set the table for a spirit-filled family. How do we walk in that? How do we do it? Let me give you, let me give you four things that we need to do. Are you ready? Can you stand for? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, set a place for prayer together as a family. Set a place for prayer. Michelle's house. Growing up, there was a place for prayer. Now listen, lest I get ugly, be really nice, it is not the wife's job to be the prayer all the time, guys. Come on. You're going to get it. It's coming. Well, my dad never prayed. I don't pray. Man, I'm not praying in front of anybody. We'll go ahead and teach your boys that prayer doesn't matter. Teach your sons that the only people who pray are females. You say, well, I'm spiritual. That's my wife's job. That's not what my Bible says, guys. So buck up, Bubba, buck up, suck it up, and lead your family in prayer. Are you with me? You say, but I've never prayed out loud. Praise God, you're going to get to start. You don't have to pray King James. Lord, I pray for my wife. I pray for my kids. Help me not kill them. That was my prayer for years. You know, just, just pray for them. Said prayer. And if, again, if there's a mom and dad in the house, dad, step up. Let your kids know when there's a problem at your house, the first thing dad does is get on his knees and start knocking on heaven's door. All right, does this make sense? Come on. Because when, you're, when your kids grow up 
and they have a problem, if prayer's not been your power, it won't be their power. If prayer's not your answer, it won't be their answer. If prayer's not your way, it won't be their way. If you don't set the table for prayer, your kids won't pray, and they'll be out there stuck just like you are. Does that make sense? Come on, and I love you. Now you're thinking, I don't know that I can stand three more. Okay, back place prayer. Number two, set a place for the reading of God's word as a family. Just set it. You don't have to read a chapter, read a verse. You don't have to preach a sermon. Deuteronomy says, do it in the morning, do it in the evening, when you rise up, when you go to bed, when you sit down eating, when you travel. Deuteronomy 6. That's when you, man, pick a time. There were, my kids were in school. I would, one day a week, I would take each kid and and man, I would pray over them verses and talk to them about their quiet time and all that kind of stuff. So, man, listen, you're, can, can I, let me just be honest, man. I'm not trying to hammer sports. My kids played sports, but here's the deal. Do your kids know how to hit a ball better than they know how to read their Bible? Is the stats of their soccer team more important than the scripture? Because I know that you believe your kid's going to be the next LeBron James. They're not. First off, they're not seven feet tall. I mean, they're, just, they're just not going to be. Quit living your past sports life through your kids. They want to play sports, that's fine. There's nothing wrong playing sports. But here's the deal. You want to prepare your kids for the real world, you need to give them the word of God. Nobody would graduate boot camp that can't take their M16 apart and put it back together blindfolded. It's the weapon. Your kids should not leave the house without knowing how to swing the sword of the Word of God. The reason so many of our kids leave and go to college and come back and don't go to church is because they were never prepared in the Word. Are you with me? You say, well, that's your job. Have you got the crack pop in your hand? There's, it's your job as mom and dad. Amen? Amen? You don't like it, that's okay. We got two more, they're going to get worse. Number three. Number three, set a, set a place to go to church as a family. So here, if your kids ask the question on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, are we going to church? There's already a problem. Can you imagine Micah or Zach or Faith saying when they were little, Dad, Mom, are we going to church today? No, I didn't figure we'll stay home. No, they never asked that. They knew. So if your kids ask that, there's a, and it's not, the problem's not with them. The problem's with mom or dad. And so, come on. Does this, does this make sense? So we've got to, man, we've got to go to church as a family. When you, you know, if you take your kids to Epi Kids or Epi Preschool, well, my kids don't want to go. Go with them. Serving kids ministry. Come on, serve. Come on, get in there and serve. And if you got teenagers, bring them on Wednesday. Well, they don't want to come on Wednesday. Are they going to school? Well, they, yeah, but that's important. Oh, we're setting the table. We're setting the table. Can they skip soccer practice? Oh, well, no. They're not, they're not, no. Oh, but they don't have to come on Wednesday night. I got it. I see what's important. I, I got it. And so do your kids. So man, go to church together. Number four. Set a place of accountability for each other. When, when I was little, I mean, when, when my kids were little, 
man, they were on us all the time. We'd be driving down the road late for church. Then listen, two cars saved our marriage. Because one of us was late. I won't even mention who. And so we'd be flying to church, and there'd be somebody on the side of the road. And Faith would say, Dad, Pastor, Dr. Dad, that person needs help. Are you going to stop? We got we to get to church. We're late. What would Jesus do, Dad? Shut up. In the back seat. We'd have to pull over. There's a, there, in, this, in Ephesians 5, those that are spirit-filled are mutually accountable one to another. So, man, and now that my kids are adults, you should see the accountability when we sit around and talk about prayer time, quiet time, all those things, man. It gets, man, it gets, it gets serious. So, you, you don't have any, you say, well, I'm not sure of the values. Still ours. Take the church values. We put God first, man. Take them. We've got them. For we've, we've now rewritten them for kids so that, so that they'll learn them early. And then as they grow in the student ministry, they'll see them. And as they become, they move, they'll get them. And so, man, put them out there. Does that make sense? Register your kids for summer jam. In fact, we love you. You register them this weekend at all of our campuses. We'll give you a $10 coupon for a pizza. And we just, we love your family. You say, but my kids want to go to summer jam. Is your house a democracy? Because mine was a dictatorship. Is y'all, has it changed that much? Listen, fourth graders don't get a vote. They're not paying rent. Are you with me? So, so get, sign them up for summer jam. If you don't have the money, we'll pay it for you. Sign your kids up, your students up for, for movement. You don't have the money, we'll pay it for you. We never let money stop anybody. You can watch teenagers don't want to go. They don't know anybody. They will. When movement's over, go with them. Serve. Does this make sense? So what do we do? Man, we got we to gotta clear the table, and then we decide what matters most. And it is making, putting God first. Head of the table, head of the checkbook, head of the calendar, head of the values, and we teach them to our children. When we rise up, when we go to bed, when we travel and we set to eat, we teach them the laws and the precepts of God, and we write them on their little hearts. And then they watch mom and dad live them out. And then when they are old, they will not depart from the truths deposited into them by mom and a dad living biblical values. Come on. Give God, come on, give me some praise. So... The first step in, in really following biblical values is having a relationship with Jesus. And I'm so sorry, many of us grew up in church and we saw people that go to church that never made Jesus Lord of their life. The first step is saying, Jesus, you're going to get worse. You now take your place as head of the table, head of my life, head of my heart, head of my family, head of everything. You take your rightful place as head. That's why the Bible says, confess him as Lord, the ruler over all. Joshua said, as he was about to die. Listen, choose, you can choose to serve the gods your forefathers served in Egypt or the gods that people served when we travel here. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So if you're ready to surrender your life up to Jesus, come on, campus pastors, you guys come on up and take over to all of our campuses. So if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed, online, God behind bars, pray this simple prayer.
but profound prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I confess you as Lord. Take your place as head. You died for me. You rose from the grave. Now I will live for you. So with the heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that simple prayer with me, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I gave my heart to Jesus. Just slip it up. All right? Okay? All right? You can put them down. Look up here. Those that raised their hand were given a card at all of our campuses by our ushers about what your next steps are. So if you raise your hand, you prayed with us, do me a favor, pull the communication card out that's in front of you. Online, you can click right here and someone will be in touch with you. God buying bars, those guys are there for you at, your, at, at both of your campuses. So take that card, fill the top part out, and then check the circle. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. Check the second circle. I need to be baptized. It happens after salvation. And if you have not been a part of Next Steps, just check it. This weekend is week three. Your purpose is our passion. We're going to give you spiritual gifts tests. We're going to give you several things. And we're going to help you find where God wants to put you in to the engine, into the life of Faith Promise Church. It's going to be incredible. You can, uh, at Saturday night at 6.15 at Pelsippi. Youch. At uh, all of our campuses at 11.30 on Saturday. Uh, you, can, you, can, if, you can stick around and go to that. Yeah, I promise you, it'll be worth your time. And so guests, we'd all fill the cards out. Guests, if you drop those cards into the, the guest cards, into the offering bucket when they come by. And then after the service, if you go out, there'll be people to, across the foyer, through the center doors, square tables, smiling faces with a gift. You were thrilled as you came. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. So as we get ready to give, as we, as we obey God, through worship and bringing our tithes and offerings, like we worship in song, we worship in the word, we worship in generosity. And we, we, we do it because we love God and because God said to. And so we, we want to set the table where we can faithfully serve the Lord. And so I'm going to pray. Usher's going to come, and then we're going we're gonna to give as an act of worship. We're going to sing one more song to Jesus. Father, I pray you'll bless this offering in a supernatural way. Bless the gift and the giver. God, I pray that you will supernaturally use this to change lives forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give God a shout of praise as we get to give.